0: Live from Sydney, this is General Ike, Building Jerusalem. Our guest today is Max Stossel. Max is an award-winning poet and filmmaker. He has won two Webby Awards and is the Head of Content and Storytelling at the Center
1: for Humane Technology.
0: Max will begin with his new poem, Aggressive Aliens.
1: So I wrote this, and thank you for having me. Um, I wrote this actually in response to, well actually no, I wrote this long before the Me Too stuff happened, but it started, I started sharing it after that, because I, it's very easy for us to look at what happened and say, wow, those men who are assaulting women are clearly monsters, and wow, I as a man, I'm great, I'm not as bad as that guy. Um, it's a very easy response to have. And it and in general, I'm so critical of social media. It was hard for me to look at, wow, social media is so clearly having a positive impact here. Um, it is unignorable how rampant this issue is. And as a man scrolling through my feed and just seeing story after story after story after story of women who were affected um, and who have had these experiences. And in general, I started having conversations with some female friends of mine and asking them, have they ever been hit on in a way that wasn't aggressive but like made them feel unsafe and every one of my female friends said like yeah like of course you mean this week like yes of course that happens all the time um and it made me think of like had i like have i contributed to that because when i'm performing this poem and i'll say raise your hand women if you've had that experience every hand goes up and i say men raise your hand if you think you maybe have given that experience to a woman and no hand goes up (laughs) Um, and so there's a disconnect i think in our awareness of it and in terms of making women feel safe, I tried to think, how could like, how could I help men understand what that would feel like um, to have uh, the roles reversed? Because as men, we do tend to be a physically bigger, stronger sex for the most part. Um, and I realized that if aliens invaded, and they were giant, and they were sexually into dudes, then we might understand what it's like to be physically and sexually desired by something so much bigger and stronger than us. Um, and I'd still want to hang out with aliens. I would still want to, like, talk to them, hear what it's like to, like, go around all the galaxies and the universe and stuff, but I might not want to have sex with them, like, all the time, you know? (laughs) And I feel like I see men mistreating women all the time. And sometimes I'm not sure where's the line where it's helpful for me to try and help this woman say goodbye to this well-intentioned, overbearing guy, and he's not assaulting her. It's just one drink. It's just words. It's just a touch on her back, make that her lower back. He just didn't have to sit so close to her. She's just a little nervous. Sometimes I'm not sure if he's aware he's making her uncomfortable or if he just cares more about the tiny chance of intercourse than how it makes her feel. Of course, he knows he'd never do anything to harm her. He knows he's a nice tiger. He'll just be assertive like he read online that women like, but she doesn't know what he will or won't do. If he's kind or violent or kind of violent and she's heard horror stories, maybe even lived through a few. So she doesn't know if he's going to leave her alone or harm her, wishing she had body armor as he puts his arm around her. And she's not actively pushing him off, but clearly something's off. She's not into this advance at all, but it's safer to smile and tolerate and laugh than it is to tell him off. In any new encounter, there's this imbalance of power, and at the root, there's this truth that as men, we tend to be physically stronger than you. If we wanted to hurt you, we could do, and there might be justice later I'll be brought to, but me going to jail later doesn't protect you in this moment. There's me, and there's you, and there's no telling what I'll do if you don't do what I want you to. That's some unsettling shit. And no, we're not owed anything for not exercising this physical dominance. We're just being dicks if we make anybody feel like this. So imagine aliens came down from the sky, weighing in at 310 and standing 6'9 and super chill most of the time. And let's say they're into guys. But we only like aliens some of the time because they're pretty aggressive and get off inside and they shoot off this nasty alien slime. And when they come onto us, it's pretty obvious. They've only got like one thing on their mind. And while we might want them to stop freaking touching us, we think they'll stop bothering us after a while. They'll give up after a few minutes of trying. I mean, after all, most are pretty nice guys. They'd be upset but decide to respect and reject them and then eventually swallow their pride, but like one in every hundred times. When they get angry, things get wild. So we have to decide if we want to risk angering this giant that could do some real damage if it desired. It's probably better to smile and laugh than risk all that. It's safer to feed the alien lies. But then again, if we didn't want it, then we shouldn't have worn green. Or drank so much. I mean, you know how those aliens can be. Aliens will be alien, see, and we're in the pool with our shirts off? That's obscene. We totally had it coming. No way. And no way the story would be told that way for aliens and us guys. The responsibility clearly lies with the big scary creatures trying to put probes in behinds. <laughs> it ends with a butt joke. Amazing. <laughs> right there. <laughs>
0: Max also with aggressive aliens. That's phenomenal. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna uh, maybe circle back around to unpacking some of that. Sure. <laughs> uh, just favorite line off the top. Of course, we were wearing green.
1: <laughs> of course, we were, It's their color, you know.
0: It's, it's the aliens' color.
1: We shouldn't have worn green if we did not want it. What does that mean? Green? And come green. <laughs> on.
0: I, I wanted, to, I want to do this as sort of like I, I want to get into all sorts of interesting work that you're doing now. Um, but I want to ask you first of all about. Uh, how it sort of started for you because you used to do work that was sort of very similar to what you do now but kind of the complete opposite yeah so it was um you were a media media strategist that was your day job back in the day yeah and how did you how did you start that Um, that so
1: when i was my first job when i was in college uh which is like an internship for this startup they were like hey you're young go figure out social media for us and i was like (laughs) okay um and so they were having, a, it was like a healthcare startup that was selling personalized diabetes coaching, like one-on-one coaches for people with diabetes. And they were having a lot of trouble, like generating leads and making sales. And then all of a sudden, I was generating a lot of leads on social media. And so the CEO and CMO of that company were like, whoa, whoa, what is this? How are you doing this? And I was like, whoa, I can be good at something without having to like study or go to school for it. This is cool. I should follow this path. Um, and I ended up following that path. I did social strategy for Budweiser um and like again back then everyone was so bad at it just little changes would like create these huge results in like reach and engagement um but when we skyrocketed budweiser's engagement i was like i was like what did we do anything for their business like what why why i was always concerned like why does any of this matter like why is this important why are they so happy that this line is going up on this graph like why does that matter at all um and i met gary vaynerchuk who is a sort of Social media guru in this space, and really like a champion salesman at his core. Um, And he, I told him that, and he was like, "Come work for me! Like, uh, I'll mentor you." And what he was excited about was me, like, looking into okay, does this work? What works from a business sense? Like, how does this help sell stuff? And I worked on Dove and some PepsiCo brands at VaynerMedia, his agency, and really learned a lot from him. Um, But at that time, I was really just like, I was following. The path that seemed to, lay, like, seemed to lay out in front of me. And it led me to where I am and I'm grateful for it. But I never really had much heart for, like, for that work. It was just sort of, I was following the road that was laid out in front of me. Um, and it was, I went on a life-changing trip to Panama to speed through quickly where I met a lot of social entrepreneurs and then met somebody starting a social media company. And I was like, I know social media and I want to be in startup world. Let's do that. We were going to be the Instagram for video. This was before Instagram had video. Um, and ultimately, uh, I was designing some of the notification structures that like would take you out of your world and bring you into mine because we needed as much of your time as possible, uh, and that's for ad revenue. That's what our investors told us that if we could hold your attention for two minutes or longer, we have a valuable company. And cool. so it was like we were doing everything we could. Okay, what not- what exact notifications can we send you? What's the language that should pl- that should show up on your screen? Which friends should show up first in the likes of your videos? Um, and things like that. Once we have your attention, ooh, let's autoplay videos because that will keep your attention for about 10% longer. Um, and at the time, we're not thinking like, oh, I'm not making you do anything. Um, but it was really like, I started to feel not so good about what social media was doing to the world and had conversations with Tristan Harris, who's the leader of this this movement of the Center for Humane Technology. And he really helped me see the difference between what we want um, and just what we will do if you put a certain amount of stimulus in front of us and like mm-hmm. the decisions that we make where we cherish them and the, versus the ones that we will reflexively do but might have regret about um, and realizing that so much of the digital world is designed for like that instinctual like reptile brain self um, but what could a more beautiful world look like if we were actually thinking about what decisions we look back on and we cherish what upholds the pillars of societies what creates meaning in people's lives and how do we design and help people achieve that Um, And now that I'm further down that rabbit hole in the Center for Humane Technology work, it starts to seem that ad models are not compatible with that. Because as soon as the business model is about advertising, time and money are, you know, are immediately. I just did a hands thing that you can't see on the podcast. (laughs) They are going together. Up and to the right. (laughs) Up and to the right. Um, But if if we're paying, if we are paying, then we're not the product. We can be the customer because right now. In ad models, we are the product. We are being sold. We are being farmed for our attention. Um, but if we are paying for these products, and they can actually start to design in ways that uh, that bring us value, and I'm not suggesting that we pay for Facebook or Instagram as they exist now. I certainly don't want to do that. But I think we do need to be open to paying for a different sort of product that is actually trying to increase the amount of meaning and engage, you know, meaning in our lives. Increase the amount of number of meaningful experiences that we have with people that we care about um if you start measuring your success differently mm-hmm. then i think that we need to be able to willing we need to be willing to pay for products that actually enhance our social lives.
0: this is interesting because i i heard you say on uh, one of your talks i think on tedx that facebook only makes something like a dollar 36 per month off people in um advertising revenue so let's say you would have a, mem- a membership to facebook as you say like not in its current form but like just for for something to hold against, then you'd you'd be paying what less than two dollars a month for it. And that, and what could conceivably happen if that were restructured so that it were a paid service would be that Facebook could stop focusing on keeping you on Facebook as long as possible so it could sell maximum advertising and could instead focus on actually having the biggest positive effect on your life.
1: Yeah, so I mean I think that's true. So now those numbers are old. Facebook's now making more money per, <laughs> per wow. user. Wow! Big surprise. Um, big surprise. Um, but still, like you know, how much would how much would you be willing to? Pay? I'd be willing to pay a lot. But how much would you be willing to pay for a service that is like truly using all this spectacular amounts of data and two billion people using this thing? So collecting meaningful experiences from so many people and trying to, for you, figure out what are your values, what matters in your life, and how do I help you find more of that. Um, these are people who like you want to spend more time with how do we help you do that in real life these you know you never would have thought about it but like you're lonely you're feeling lonely right now you're in a new place or you're in a same place and you're feeling lonely you never would have thought of this but actually like going to this strange look like this street corner with face paints and offering to paint people's faces like turns out to be like something people rate as you know out of 4 out of 4.9 out of 5 stars for like meeting new people and like creating a meaningful moment. And you never would have imagined that, but this random thing pops up as meaningful. Do you want to try it? And for you, this thing might be meaningful. So like just what are the possibilities on life's menu that we're not thinking of and not seeing? And how can technology help illuminate that? And just create that sort of possibility and help coordinate us in ways that we'll later feel really satisfied with and we'll later feel happy with, not just what we will do mm-hmm. in, uh, in an instinct.
0: Right, because right now the, what the incentive for Facebook is, if you're feeling sort of lonely and bored, is to keep you sort of lonely and bored
1: so that you'll keep scrolling on Facebook. Right, and, and, so, and they're starting to be more, like, I don't think they're doing nearly enough, um, but they're starting to be more aware that that is like, we messed up on that front. Because for a while, it really just these algorithms were just being like, great, what keeps you here? We don't care what it is that keeps you here, but something keeps you here. We're going to give you more of that thing that keeps you here. So more loneliness would be like, great, okay, how do we optimize for loneliness? And there's no person at Facebook who's saying, how do I make these people as lonely as possible? Mm. But these algorithms that are really just working on how do we keep you here for as long as possible, which we're doing less now, but still pretty much doing, um, is like those algorithms just figure it, try a bajillion things, and they figure out what works. They don't care what that impact, algorithms don't care, <laughs> right? Like algorithms don't care about what impact um, they're making on your life. Facebook is now trying to fix some of this, but the reality is like if it turns out that oh, spending 90% less time on Facebook is what turns out to be best for your well-being, are they going to be able to actually make those changes when they're on an ad revenue, an ad model? Probably right. not.
0: Well, what what where does change come from if their incentive structures and the ad revenue are pointing them tilting them so intensely um, to the other side because you've mentioned I think Apple, Facebook, Google as the big three that could change things around here sure where does that where does that come from?
1: like where's the pressure for them to change come from? Yeah. Um, so some of it has to come from us, has to come from consumers to demand that, like, I am not satisfied with this brand of this breed of technology that you've been serving me. I want something that really cares about me. Um, I would be personally willing to switch um, from Apple to Google or to you know my carriers for something different. Oh, like then can I
0: just say when you when you said. Um... I, I, I don't I don't care if this thing you've been serving me. I want something that that's good for me. I'd be willing personally. I'm like, is he is he starting a poem? because no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening for it
1: now. Sometimes it's hard to tell. But it's no, I'm just I'm just making it a passion statement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it happens to work with the rhyme and meter because you know that's the feature of language. That yeah. you practice.
1: Oh, did that rhyme? I didn't even process that. that, that what did what I say rhyme? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you got like
0: three or four lines with with um, correct. Like what is it? Like octometer or something? Was pentameter really?
1: or something like that. I don't know <laughs> I think thinking pentamina know like Shakespeare lines are longer probably a bit shorter. I didn't know why you started laughing I was like oh, am I saying am I saying something I started a poem I didn't realize it I'll have to go back and listen and then try to finish that poem right okay so second. so
0: let's talk about let's talk about possibly new new Facebook right let's say okay. Facebook decided what which I think like this is something like we are enough of the market leader that we're sort of safe for now and then thinking long term right. how do we actually how do, we, how do we set ourselves up so that five years from now, someone who wants to do a little bit of a better job doesn't just completely knock us out?
1: Right, I mean, so they've got a monopoly for all practical purposes, but they also, yeah, what if they, if they want to create long-term value for their users and to cement themselves as, like, a forward-looking company? Like, if Facebook starts to think, what is our subscription model like? And, fi- like, Facebook as it is without ads would be a terrible... Like, that product... Why would people, I don't know, I don't know why people would want to pay for that. Um, that mm-hmm. feels like a stupid thing to pay for in my mind. What is much more exciting is is, yeah, is that version that is like working with you to understand what you really want and care about in the world and helping provide that to you. And like, what if Facebook was trying to opt like reduce the amount of loneliness that existed in the world? Like, what if that was one of the, what if that was the product that you pay for? I'm paying for a Facebook that like makes me feel like reduces my lo- feelings of loneliness by... 85 percent um and like let's say you land in a new you land in a new place you land in a new city you're traveling um like probably wouldn't be a feed that would be the first thing that when you come like oh i'm i'm lonely what do i do you might go to facebook because that's like a natural sort of thought like what are my friends doing where are people but if you were served instead with like oh uh and i'm sort of going off the cuff here but like this friend lived in that place that you're just in. Like, you can ping them and ask for recommendations for people to meet um, around that area. You've been wanting to do this, this, and this activity. Here's, like, a couple of calendar of things that we could pop right on your calendar um, where you can do that in this new city um, that you're now in. Um, Like, here are your, uh, like, here are three of your friends who have visited this place recently who maybe you're closer to. Do you want to talk to them? Here's five of your friends who live here. Do you want to talk to them? Um, But, like, just where, if the algorithm were thinking about how do I help your social... Not like what, con- not what content is most relevant for you right now, mm-hmm. but how can I help you achieve something that you want or feel better in the world at this moment? And so Tristan would probably say... I always hear him in my head when I'm talking. Um, but he would probably say, he's like, he wants more. He wants, like, he's like, I want, like, special quarter. He's like, at that moment you land, when you're feeling lonely, the human brain, he would say, um, is deceived, naturally. Wait, because him
0: being Tris- Tristan? Tristan
1: is the leader of this center for humane tech tech movement okay um he would say your brain naturally when you're feeling lonely like you think your friends don't want to hang out with you like that's just the human thing that happens like the feeling of loneliness you have this weird physiological thing that comes over you where like you you think no one wants to hang out with you it's like part of loneliness he's like so an even better coordinated facebook system would like help your help your friends know because they do care about you um that you're going to be feeling that way And then encourage them to, like, ping you and say, like, oh, hey, like, give you recommendations or make you feel warm and good. And um, So, like, there are lots of different ways you could look at this and go about it. But already we're thinking in a completely different way than most of technology is designed, Mm -hmm. right? We have to separate on and off screen possibilities because on screen is, how often is on screen the best option for a person? Sometimes, of course, sometimes it's going to be. But, like, more often than not, if we're caring about a person's well-being, the answer to what they could be doing that would be satisfying for them is probably not on screen, and so how so how can we look at the world as though there's infinite possibilities and there's possibilities that are here on screen and that there are off screen possibilities? What is best for you right now? And let's work out systems to help rank those and present a menu for you for you to choose, like what is going to be best for what you're looking for. Mm. Um,
0: well, yeah. It's interesting to to hear like this. It sounds kind of um uh really dramatically different from the Facebook we have but also something that uh, I, I saw you say which was which really drove home how possible this is in a lot of ways is that uh, the study that if 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 this guy knew some psychology professor if you knew like what 10 of your
1: Facebook like uh, the Kaczynski study Kaczynski study so was, so yeah, these are just pages you've liked mm-hmm. um so yeah, we won't get down this rabbit hole but Kaczynski <laughs> was like that Personality app that he developed was then later commandeered by other people. Kaczynski's a good dude with the Cambridge Analytica skin. <laughs> oh really? Stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, but so, but Kaczynski, um, yeah. So if it, just pages you've liked, so if not everything you've ever hovered over and scrolled and clicked on, and how long you spent stalking your ex-boyfriends and girlfriends on Instagram and Facebook, none of that data. Just literally like the pages you've liked. Um, if you had ten of those, um, then the Facebook, Facebook, then this thing Kaczynski could predict aspects of your personality better than the average. Um, co-worker, I think it was 70 better than the average friend. 150 better than the average parent, and what, 300 likes better than your average spouse. Um, and so, like, that's just pages you've liked. Like, that's not very much data.
0: And that's that's him doing it sort of manually by hand, whereas like Facebook's algorithms are far more powerful than Kaczynski's, we assume.
1: Um, and so it's it's also it's more like so definitely Facebook's algorithms are more powerful than Kaczynski's, um, but also like just the amount of input that you're feeding that algorithm is so tiny. It's just like a personality, like the very, very little went into that study where you could then do, you could do very little to then predict how many drinks a person's had a week better than, (laughs) better than their spouse would. Mm. Um, So if like, if that's just what pages you've liked, it's like, imagine what kind of depths we could get into when you're really analyzing to the level that Facebook's algorithm is to try and serve you the most engaging next piece of content if that, if similar algorithms were being built, like we're with similar amounts of data, but not similar algorithms that we're thinking about, like, okay, like, what is it? How can we really like help you live by your values? How can we really help bring more meaning and fulfillment to your life? Um, it just would look completely different. And I'm giving these examples of, because like I'm using things that Facebook already um, is very prone, is prime to do, right? They have events, they have like your friends. So I'm trying to pick examples within that realm of possibility but there's also more abstract stuff. It's just like, um, like you know, maybe like if, you, if what you're struggling with in a moment is financial security. It's like maybe it's not about like what's the right app or the right choice or the right event you can go to. It's like maybe there's. A sequence of events that we can start to rank against other possibilities that helps people like you find more financial security in your life. Mm. It's like, how can we A-B test the bajillions of life's possibilities um, in solving problems people have? And not just like, okay, this have a problem. You can click a button, now it's solved. But like, no, what processes can you put people through where they find meaning in their life and they take, you know, they do the things that years of social science and behavioral research have shown can create meaning for people.
0: So, so Facebook would be then not just a what a a good friend recommending good place to go to have a good time, but also the most competent
1: careers advisor that you've ever met. Could be the most competent, like so many things, right? Right. <laughs> that you would ever possibly imagine. Um, someone was saying to me recently, like, oh, like, so, it's like a self help app, um, and it's like, well, shouldn't everything, like, shouldn't all technology, in some way be self-help or just help (laughs) right Um, like why do we want all of this tech if it's not bettering our lives so it's like yes like Facebook could be the greatest helper um, that we could imagine and or like you know if Apple takes ownership over some of this and tries to really protect our time the zones of our lives that we feel passionate about what's what's most meaningful for you in relationships what's most meaningful for you in friendships in your productivity in creative time in what you want to learn in your family in like in exercise and help like if you're if they help us sort of sort our lives into categories that are meaningful for us and find the things that boost and give us more of what we want like i would absolutely switch from apple to google or google to apple for a device that was really helping me um be my best self
0: have you have you spoken to any of these big companies directly about any of this
1: um i've talked to people at facebook uh, i've talked to people at google i haven't talked to many at apple i would love to talk to people at apple but uh um, but you know Tristan, who has absolutely like been talking to people in these organizations, um, it's you run into more often than not in our, It's not bad people at any of these companies at all, but it's really hard to make big change in big companies. Yeah, um, and so you run into inertia in that challenge. Um, but yeah, I actually I think the fact like Mark Zuckerberg gave away. A huge amount of money to charity which is really nice but like i think the best thing he could do for the world by far like not even remotely close to the money he gave away um would be making facebook something that actually coordinates two billion people to being better versions of themselves and creating more good in the world two billion people it's more than there are Oof. christians in the world
0: wow yeah. facebook is now more popular than christianity yeah. <laughs> there's your tagline there's your tagline Jeez. and <laughs> and mark zuckerberg is kind of like a Pope with direct access to everyone's soul.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yes, there you, you go. You hear that, Mark? You're, you're the Pope. <laughs> direct access to everybody's soul. Wow, it's terrifying when you say it that way, but I, th- I don't think it's off. <laughs> don't worry, he hears it. He hears it. <laughs> I know, he listens to this podcast.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think at this point he is sort of at once the machine and the individual. So he hears, in some profound sense, everything that's going on everywhere in the world. All right. Yeah, your, your likes and prayers never escape. His likes and prayers. That's all right. Funny. So, okay. What can, what can people do, individuals, if they want to shift the world? Um, so, first of all, for themselves, right? Like, forget shifting the big companies, people whose lives are being adversely affected by the current state of technology. Um, what what are some ways that they can protect themselves and move towards more positive? Sure. Ways?
1: So, and it's always a challenge because the reality is, what people really need is change from these big companies who have such disproportionate amounts of power. But there are things we call band aids, which like can help help us have a little bit healthier relationships with this stuff while it's maliciously des- designed. Um, and so, one of those is turning off all notifications on your phone that are not a person trying to reach you. Um, mm. So no this person liked your photo. Happy holidays from Tinder. You haven't played candy crush in a while. Um, all of those sort of notifications, um, are pretty much algorithmically generated saying, ah, you like subject six, eight, two, four, seven B. If we send you a notification at this time, like we can probably, there's a good chance that you might come back and spend more time, more putting you into the funnel. Um, so turning off all your notifications that are not like a person sent you a message, um, is one helpful way to like block some of these, uh, so engaging notifications. Can I just get really engine.
0: practical about this for a second? Yeah. So
1: it's like you go, what, settings, general, what is it? So sometimes you'll be able to do it in notifications in your settings. Um, I think notifications is its own thing. But like, yeah, so more often than not, you'll have like in your apps themselves, if you're looking at like which apps are notifying me, it might be a little bit of a time-consuming process, but like going in. Um, oh, and you have to log and, in
0: for everything individually
1: the right and of like or within the apps like when you when you, it's a good way of starting this process is when you get a notification from an app you can think to yourself did a person try to send me this um and if they like if they didn't you go into that app you change the settings so that only a person can
0: because if it wasn't notify. a person then it was the robot and the robot does what the market tells it to do
1: Right, and, it's, and yeah, not because a person is evil and saying, aha, I want to steal more of your attention. But yeah, those, a lot of these algorithms are just trying to figure out how you'll use me more. Use me more. I want your attention. I want your attention. Um, and they're great at finding because, you know, just testing to see when, how, what can I do to make you use this more.
0: Okay, so turn off notifications that aren't a person trying to reach
1: you. So that's one. Um, a second is grayscale. Um, oh, my phone's over there, but I can do this one on yours. Yeah, please. So the red dots on the phone um red is a color that like triggers our brain and like makes Uh, us kind of white fruit nearby right right fruit gotta catch the white gotta grab that white ripe fruit um but so you can diminish that if you go into general accessibility big scroll all the way to the bottom accessibility shortcut color filters and then when you tap three times on your home screen
0: Um, (laughs) (gasps) oh wow you made my phone black and white all
1: the colors go away and then if you ever want it again if you want want to look at a picture or see colors oh um, wow thank you you got it so people find this really helpful one for like to not be so stressed out by the red dots um but also like often some people will open up their phone scroll through their apps scroll back through their apps and then just close their phone that's a weird thing that we're doing that's That's really really weird weird. we're checking to see that our apps are there it's just this compulsive like just not thinking way of moving it. And now, as soon as you look at your phone, you're like, oh, what, what, this is great. What is this thing? Just creates a bit more of a mindful moment of like, did I mean to be to be doing this? This is beautiful. Um, Thank you. So that's a helpful one. Um, and then another one people find really helpful is like a physical alarm clock. So buying an alarm clock that is like $8 on Amazon. So the first thing in the morning is not like your phone goes off, you hit okay. And then your literal first thoughts are all the things you missed and all of these sort of external things coming into your life um, versus physical alarm clock, sleep with your phone like in another room or across the bedroom and just like start your day in a way that you might want to start it we always afraid we're going to miss the really important thing um, how many things in your life actually can't wait like the 10 15 minutes for you to just like wake up can I ask kind of a
0: day. weird question here yeah wait, did did you get a uh, like a little $8 alarm clock
1: um, I got a more expensive one.
0: Okay, <laughs> yeah. but like when you were getting it, did you like do a lot of research or did you just buy one? I on I
1: ended up buying one that like woke me up with like sun like I was like woke me up with like sunlight type thing of like a it's like a I mean sunlight it's not like a sun sunlight, lamp, sunlight, and but it's like a like... lamp that like starts to slowly light up and then makes like bird noises and wow. so I bought like a like a seventy buck alarm clock I invested in one and and how are you finding it I like it I like it a lot yeah
0: sunlight and bird noises that's brilliant
1: yeah and then it's just like waking up in my own day and then i try to write for like uh for like three pages of free flow and then this, i go check my phone
0: <laughs> these, are, these are julia cameron's morning pages yeah nice <laughs> exactly very nice I okay try. um so so we've got the grayscale I, I just want to read this out again that so on on my iphone it was settings accessibility big scroll to the bottom all the way to the bottom accessibility shortcut color filters and you hit color filters and a little tick goes up yeah. and then at any point you just triple click the home screen exactly and it the home button and it just moves to black and white and so so this means all that all that red stuff that's constantly blaring at you from your screen that's like what you were saying before about like moving through your phone like you'll just open it, swipe through, and then close it again. That's like, um, it seems like the, the sort of hyper-modern version of going to your fridge, opening it, looking around, closing it. <laughs>
1: that's, kind of, that's a good analogy. Um, and so, I mean, so those red dots, too, are kind of designed like slot machines. Um, slot machines make more money in America than baseball, theme parks, and movies combined, and you play with a penny. Whoa. How is that possible? So much. It's a, it's a really addictive mechanism to pull a lever or push a button, and sometimes you get a reward and sometimes you don't. And if you think about it, like, those red dots, it's like, huh, like what am I going to get? What am I going to get? It's like, ooh, is this a text from that person that I really wanted to get a text from? And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. So we're kind of playing the slot machine, like, over and over and over again in the, the day. Time, and it forever. just makes it a little bit less, you know, Imagine a black and white slot machine. It's way less. It's cool, way less exciting.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So we got the, okay. So we got the grayscale phone. Yeah, have got the turn up notifications that yeah. aren't for you from a person.
1: Right, um, and and physical alarm clock and then you can delete social media apps from your phone that is a possibility i can't
0: hear
1: you (laughs) Um, that's one that i give (laughs) advice well aware that some people are like no way but especially if you're younger and listening to this like do you want to go your entire life without knowing what it's like to not have social media on your phone (laughs) um it's like really it's most people report feeling just like a lot less stress and anxiety and it's much easier to do this with a group of friends, so you don't feel like you're the only one um, removing it. Um, but also, you can still do, you know, can use some of this stuff from the computers, but, like, just not having it on you 24 hours a day, seven days a week is is pretty good. That's a big, it's a big ask for people. I'm well aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, those are the main helpful tools. There's some more at Com um, slash take control.
0: This, is, this whole conversation is really interesting for me because... I'm noticing as you're talking um, so much that, 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 that seamless movement from being the guy whose job it is to get everyone's attention to being the, the sort of critic the,
1: of that. I mean, directly related, <laughs> for sure. Um, and, I, like, and also, I wasn't that great at these tactics. like Other people were way better in the gaming industries are the best at these tactics. Mm-hmm. I was just aware. I was like, oh, like, this works to an extent. And there are thousands of people at these companies who are incredible at it, whose job is what my job is, which is to gra- try and grab and hold as much attention as possible. Um, did, you,
0: did you have a gaming console when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, I was a gamer, for sure.
0: We, we, what, what, what sort of console were you?
1: I played Xbox.
0: You're, you're an Xbox? Did you ever have an N64? Was yeah.
1: It? Yeah? I'm better at Super Smash Bros. for N64 than I think I am at anything in my life. Really? <laughs> who <laughs> yes. do you play? <laughs> Pikachu. Ah. Or Ness, but... All right. Yeah. I have never lost a series, like never lost from two out of three to higher. I've never lost to anybody. Is that right? Yeah. 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 All right. Would you like to? Do you think you can beat me in that game? I think I have a shot. I would love to. If you have N sixty four here, we will go and find it and play. All right. Cool. Okay.
0: We'll try and we'll try and set that up <laughs> afterwards. Great. Okay. Um, but actually, I was going to ask not about Smash Bros. You played Legend of Zelda Arena time?
1: Um, I didn't. That was too slow for me. Too but slow for I you. I but my friends played.
0: Wow. Okay, because I was thinking about that and, like, there was a whole generation of games that came out of N64 that were, I think, like, very slow. As you say, they were slow, but they were, like, meaningful. And it felt like real narrative immersion. Hmm. And you, like, part of the reason why you don't really find games like that in the same way anymore is because, like, they have to have stuff interesting all the time to keep you there.
1: Right. i definitely see a lot of that happening.
0: It's so so interesting. So the the gamers have graded it. You were just, like, doing what, what felt to you like some ordinary things um, and just massively boosting social media engagement because they didn't,
1: no one knew how, how that worked yet. And so, so the social media stuff and the app design stuff are a little bit different. Like within, with social media, I was just figuring out what worked in the Facebook algorithm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this type of story works. And that was interesting for different reasons, but like extreme statements and ideas people already believe, like that stuff works. And all of us to an extent, including news organizations, are changing the stories we tell. To m- based on what works in the Facebook algorithm and that's problematic for other reasons yeah. um, but for the, from the app design standpoint it was more like like oh like this language in a notification might do better than that language so let's use this one because this gets more people to use our app or autoplaying videos like they'll stay longer so let's do that so that point specifically
0: like you mentioned that that's something that you're um, that you that you came up with when you were doing um, working on the Next, what is it? Instagram for video, right. and I remember that exact concept comes through in your video, um, in your poem. This panda's dancing. It's like, oh, better order play the videos. Right, that was a little um, twig for me. Sure. But your your let's talk about your poetry work a bit, because uh, okay. I'd love to just talk about all the stuff <laughs> now.
1: A lot here. Yeah.
0: We don't have it. Um, subway love. That's an amazing piece. Thank so Half you. a million views on YouTube. That's not. Thank nothing. you
1: very much. Yeah, a couple more million on Facebook too. Wow. Those are like three second views—they so don't really count as uh, much. But uh, it's just they like... all go most viral on Facebook because they tweak the number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Well, do you remember how this came about, Subway Love? What was?
1: Do I remember how it came about? Absolutely. <laughs> like,
0: like, what was the the the, the moment for you?
1: For the, writing the poem or for the video?
0: Writing the moment and writing the poem.
1: So oh yeah, I was waiting for the train. I was fourth street and it was hot and sweaty and gross and it was, wasn't coming. Train wasn't coming (laughs) and I was angry and frustrated. Um, and it just was getting hotter and sweatier and more and more disgusting. And I was just pissed. And I sort of took a deep breath and started trying to make eye contact with people and New Yorkers are not into the eye contact. No. Um, and yeah, that poem was sort of, float out. I was like, oh, like, look at us. We're it's like urban soldiers waiting for the train. I was like, oh, that's good. Urban soldiers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have, what would you say, a low, low enough neurosis that you can say a line like that and I think, oh, that's good it's and like, run with it.
1: That was interesting. <laughs> and in those moments too, it just like, I get a chill on my spine and then like, it's like, oh, it's time. It's time to write. Um, and then I try to get it out as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the moment of inspiration for that poem. And then that was the first one that I turned into a video.
0: With, with with subway love with mm-hmm. this um this idea of like what if the love of your life is like arms length away and you're, you're both just staring down the tunnel yeah. and miss each other did have you had crazy subway experiences yourself
1: yeah um i i have ha- i've had no subway romances um but like, yeah. i've had yet yeah, very good good correction um yeah, i had one beautiful experience with uh, like one i like I, I had like this thing of chocolates and I'm just sort of like wandering around, just like New York, eating a thing of chocolates. And I went in the subway, and I was like, "Oh, I love having like a thing when like I can give a thing to a person." Mm-hmm. It's like a breakdown of like the awkwardness of talking to a new person. It's like, "Hey, like I have a chocolate. Like, do you want the wrapped? Do you want? Do you want a chocolate?" Um, and she's like, "Okay." And then we just sort of started talking. Um, I don't remember exactly what the conversation was. Just was very, this beautiful woman, um, and just sort of like having this conversation. And like we didn't share each other's names and just like sort of like had like a really interesting deep thing roll around and as she was leaving um it was like it was like oh like should we like exchange information or anything like that and it's like i think like no it's like this is like we're having like a new york moment and we should have our new york moment And like Beautiful. it was a nice yeah in so, retrospect I fr- like i wish i remember the conversation but it was what really, like, the memory is like like oh like we're having this new york thing and like strangers and we're engaging and we're gone and, like that's just sort of interesting in its own way
0: yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's sort of uh, if you trade numbers after that you've sort of collapsed the the immense poetic right like, wholeness of the moment right
1: and yeah, that was that was nice and then yeah I've done like some performances um like not poetry but of like my friend had ads of her company on the subway and so we would like walk around and be like oh my god have you heard of this company. Um, and just like try to do big fake, like what? That's what it does. Can you believe that? <laughs> so, it's <laughs> like lots of fun to be had on the subway for sure. Um, uh, but very different than the love story of it. But what subway love is not just about romance. It's that the, inf- it's the infinite possibility that is in front of us at any moment. Mm-hmm. You and I could start dancing in this room right now if we wanted to, but you know, we don't have to also,
0: but, but we kind of do want to, I kind of want to, <laughs> no, but
1: but we can stick to this for now. <laughs> for
0: now, um, let me ask you about your uh, new video that you're shooting. Yeah, hallucinate responsibly. Yes,
1: title yes. might change. That's what it's called right now.
0: Title might change. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um. So you know, in terms of building a better future, for me, I don't know if I ever would have written a poem, but or not for my first mushrooms experience. Really. Um, which of course I did in an incredibly legal setting in legal places where everything <clears> was legal. <laughs> um, and I hallucinate legally. Um, And I, yeah, it just, for the first time in my life, all my Jewish anxiety melted away and I felt like I was experiencing the world as it was um, for the first time and just seeing just through clean eyes, releasing what was it? 20 years of emotional baggage. Um, And it was just, it was blissful and mushrooms taught me people matter. Now matters, love matters. And we pretty much made everything else up. Um, And, yeah, and so, you know, after that, I was like, wow, this is... How could I have gone my whole life without having this experience? Um, and then I probably did it too many more times recently after that. Uh, and then this poem is me. It's a conversation between an older version of myself and a newer version of myself sort of arguing about, um, like, whether there's any harm to hallucinogens or, like, what this has done to us and our personality um, and whether that's a good thing. And how it's, it's also... It's not just about hallucinogens. It's about growth. It's, like, growth and change of people and how important is it to listen to ourselves versus like the wisdom of the world. And it's like the different ways that I think hallucinogens hallucinogens I think push us to be more open, more creative. Um I think they push us to be in some ways like more well, yeah more in touch with our feelings mm-hmm. and to prioritize our feelings more. And those are things that can be very good, but aren't necessarily good. Like those are just changes. Um, and I think there really is a lot of truth to that, and I think a lot of people could really value from those, could really benefit from those changes. Um, but we're sort of having this argument about like, about like well, like, what is that? Is that is that best? Like, what about what about the alternative? You're eating a thing and you're changing. That's that's crazy. Um, the
0: alternative being, like-
1: the alternative being valuing society and like the wisdom of the world more than your own gut and your own intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, the it being like you know, being really skeptical and really shrewd versus trusting um, and which can have its benefits too. Um, but it's sort of a different lifestyle that that leads to. Um, and, yeah, and I like the poem because I really, I empathize with both. I'm like, hey, oh, yeah, both have good points, but change is happening.
0: What's what's the way that, like what does psychedelics look like done well to you versus done poorly?
1: So yeah, it's a great question. Um, to me, it's a really important I mean, first of all, if anyone is considering doing them, it's incredibly important that you be with only people that you really trust and in a setting without any real danger or responsibility. Um, because those things are not anything you want to deal with while having a trip. Um, I think doing doing hallucinogens really well. Write those down. Yeah, you're High tr- yeah so. <laughs> like
0: so many memories. High trust. Yeah. Uh, and low no responsibility. No danger, no responsibility. No danger,
1: yeah. Um, and. There are some people who, like, are doing this with therapists and, like, that's, I think, a really powerful experience. Like, Mm -hmm. others doing, like, some people are, like, do sound baths and put on a blindfold and just, like, look in. And I think that's really powerful. Um, I think you'll get more out of doing it, like, sort of with a small group or alone in, like, in nature or with, like, a blindfold on than you would just, like, at a music festival or something like that. Um, Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But both are, both... Are fun, <laughs> wonderful experiences.
0: Yeah, I I, I find like um, maybe it's just because I'm very extroverted, but um, some of my early, obviously entirely legal times with um, just being at music festivals and then not like not dancing, but just like thinking deeply and then yeah. going and talking to strangers yeah. who are totally ready to meet you there because That's everyone cute. there yeah. is there. And
1: I've yeah, and I've enjoyed that totally legally too. Um, of and like and I feel very social and like want to engage in that way. And so I really enjoyed that. But I think it's just a very, it's a very different experience to, like, try and use it for, like, whether it's therapeutic reasons or to better understand yourself. And there's no, you know, no wrong answer. But it also, I think you're more likely to have a bad trip at a music festival also because mm-hmm. you're just in an environment that you're not as comfortable with or things feel, feel off. And there's, like, a lot of energy in a lot of people. Um, but both are recommended experiences. <laughs>
0: recommended so about about this i remember i I heard i think it was dennis mckenna on like the joe rogan show and he was talking about how uh 50 years ago like 68 they had this um conference on uh hallucinogens and natural medicine it was like this very serious well attended scientific conference paid for by the u.s government and it was like the idea was, here's some new stuff, Here, uh, what traditional and tribal medicines, and how do we use it, and what's the, what's, what do we know about it, and all that sort of thing. And then over the next, and it was supposed to be an annual thing, and then over the next year, it just, like, sort of got, um, like, the hippie movement exploded, and the government sort of reeled back on its ankles, and then just everything got banned, and the whole, all the research got shut down. Uh, and then Dennis McKenna just made, like, a new conference for, like, the 50-year anniversary. <laughs> right. but, There's not like, recently... Recently, yeah, yeah like I think last year yeah6867 like 60, 68, seven 67, 67. so so then the question then is um given mm-hmm. that like hallucinogens and that's that's part of like a broader movement of the research is happening now in, in real universities again being permitted what if if you were to envision like a, a society where hallucinogens were playing a healthy role what would that look like to you
1: that's interesting um, so I mean Right. If we're playing a healthy role, what would that look like? Uh, I mean, I generally, genuinely do think that, like, for people who do not have a history of like psychosis or like that running in their family or things like that, I think just most people, like, just having one experience, like, probably around age. I'm like totally spitballing here, and would want to put more thought into this, but like around twenty-one, twenty-two, mm-hmm. like having a um, like having an experience, like to change and open somebody's perspective and like especially in those areas where you're trying to figure out what maybe you want to do in the world i think it can be a helpful tool in helping that happen it would certainly be being used by doctors and therapists like to help uncover like right now some of the ptsd cures are just like incredible and with depression and anxiety it's been proven to be pretty helpful and um with older patients uh like helping them come to terms with their fear of death like there's mm. just the science is very clear on that it's like starting point like using it there i'm good with that um and then you know like a world that like yeah so this is this is the challenge because it's very easy i think to fall down the rabbit hole i went down where i was like what i used to think this was just like crazy and that these were like hard drugs and that this is really scary and we shouldn't do this to like Like, this is what, like, I've been warned about. This is what (laughs) everyone is, is, like, saying, whoa, slow down. Like, I thought, like, hallucinate, and I was going to, like, see devils, and they're going to tell me to kill people. It's like, that's not the thing at all. It's like, you just, (laughs) you just feel, like, you feel nice, and you, my brain was creating art by me, for me, about me, and about the world, and it helped me understand things and see the world differently. Um, But, like, I think it's very easy to then fall down the rabbit hole. of like, oh, yeah, more all the time, and not to think about, hold on, patience matters. Like, I need to like i need to i need to pay attention to what this is doing to me and not go overboard with it so like i don't know how to navigate that piece of it in a world where it's like totally legal and thriving and flourishing but i also think it would be cool to have like experiences a competitive market of experiences designed like for those trip like you know for those trips what is the in the facebook future world what does it look like where it's like oh you're interested in it probably wouldn't be interested in the hallucinogenic experience. It would be like you're interested in what would it come up? Like a shift in your perspective. Um, like, here are some possibilities and some things that might rise to the top in that ecosystem would be like taking mushrooms and going to this place or versus this place or having asking people these questions while on mushrooms or asking, like, you know, I, I don't know what would end up coming to rising to the top, but how cool would it be to have? two billion people rating, like, oh, this is what actually turned out to be really good for like opening my perspective and helping me find meaning in my life or
0: and and Facebook could like notify you, oh you're in a new city? Well there's a great shaman just down there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: And that should be an option on life's menu if it coordinates with like what is helpful and meaningful to you in your life, as you and smart algorithms can help decide um what those are.
0: Alright, well we're almost out of time, Max um is if people want to see more of your work or connect with you, what's the what's the best way to do that?
1: Um, so these short films that you're describing are at wordsthatmove.com. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm on the social medias that I feel frustrated with commenting on them. <laughs> 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 at Max Stossel, M-A-X-S-T-O-S-S-E-L. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm eager to do more poetry performances. Um, that's like, the reality is, like for the humane tech movement stuff, we get a lot, a lot, a lot of like, I want to help, I believe in this, me too and it's just, it's very, there's such a depth of knowledge in it and there's just years and years and years of understanding the landscape that make it very hard for just like to plug people in but we want to get better at doing that but right now I, with most of my inbound about the Humane Tech movement I feel like I don't really have anything that I can give to you or plug you into Um, but reaching out about wanting to book poetry performances or share in the poetry world is something I'm much more eager to connect about
0: Beautiful. And you're based in New York City?
1: Yeah, based in New York City. Brilliant. Yeah. Max Dossel, a pleasure in and honor. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Walker and Daniel Kenny. This is General Ike building Jerusalem.